Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. To up the floor. Reza dropped down. Kobe! Oh! Up high! Down hard! Kobe Bryant! Very deep, yeah. Blocked by LeBron! That basketball will never be the same! So that now has entered the fray. Yes! And welcome to the third edition of Hardwood Radio. Ben, a lot happened since last week. Let's start with a little something I watched last night. I have a little comment about that Raptors and LA Lakers game. You know, it was in Toronto, last trip to Toronto in Kobe's career. And it was basically a love fest for Kobe Bryant during the entire game. People cheering when he was making a basket. Come on. It's a real game. It's a a season game. There's points involved. You should cheer for your team. All right. In the warm-up, it's fine. But during the game? (laughs) No. Yeah, it's been a bit of a... um... Kobe farewell tour that the Lakers have been organizing. They love fast. They love uh, it's weird. Um, I think it's Michael Rappaport who said on the Bill Simmons podcast that it was a shit show. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of a shit show, honestly, because the Lakers suck. They don't play beautiful basketball. Kobe is shooting. He's uh, doing car- air, air balls from through. Nobody laughs at him. That was, that was oh, bad. Yeah. Last it's yesterday, a- big three-pointer. Air ball, nobody laugh. You have to point and laugh. That's the, that's what you need to do. That's what the 2000 to 2012 Kobe would have wanted. But now Kobe is old. He's realizing that he doesn't have it anymore. And I think he's banking a little bit on the sympathy uh, of the fans. Uh, I don't know why uh, the Toronto fans uh, cheered for the Lakers yesterday. Cheered for Kobe because they have a team to cheer for actually this year. A pretty good team, pretty good performance by Cal Lowry last night, yesterday too. Uh, season high, 27 points. A uh, good performance by him. The Raptors are a team that are actually a team that is starting to become hot over the last week, basically. They're putting wins together. They're starting to look pretty decent in the way they're passing the ball around and involving the Car, which I missed last yesterday's game with an injury. Uh, yeah, he has a bruised knee, so it's unclear... What exactly is the problem? A bruised knee is kind of a bullshit term. Yeah, it's <laughs> basically like it says a lower body injury. Yeah, exactly. They don't want to. They, they don't want to tell people what's going on with his knee. Hopefully, it's not uh, bad because there's a clear uh, effect that he has on the locker room and on the chemistry of the guys on court. You know, it's the it's the uh, brilliance of uh, the GM and this VP of. Uh, Basketball operations, Masayu Jiri. He's not making big moves with the Raptors, but every small move he made, uh, they helped tremendously. I didn't think that Damari Carroll would help that much, but obviously he is a great fit uh, for the Raptors chemistry-wise. Another team that's getting hot right now, it's the Indiana Pacers. What are Who are they, their strong point? It's another team that's not necessarily made of stars. Who are they? Who composed that team? And why are they becoming so good all of a sudden? Well, I'm a big Pacers advocate. I'm a Knicks fan, but the Pacers are like, like the Knicks are my brothers and the Pacers are my cousins. And the Pacers basically now are Paul George's team. Uh, Paul George, for those who don't know him, he uh, suffered a very 
uh, a horrible accident last year at uh, Team USA, at the scrimmage for Team USA. He, he, had a, he suffered an open, uh, an open fracture to his leg while trying to block a, uh, while jumping and trying to block a um, James Harden layup. And he missed the entire year last year. And this year he came back to his superstar form. He is averaging 27 points and eight rebounds a game. Wow. And he's shooting from at least 40% from everywhere on uh, the court, every, except for two spots on the right side. He, it is his team. It is, he is the equivalent of Steph Curry for uh, the Pacers. Of course, the Pacers are not as strong as um, as the Warriors and as deep, but they have some nice pieces. They got Monta Ellis in the backcourt. They got George Hill. Um, they got uh, Miles Turner, who's injured right now. He's a, he's a rookie who might turn out to be a very good center player. Um, they are a sneaky uh, contender in the East. Um, I saw them play the Utah Jazz uh, this weekend. They lost that game. But that Pacers team would have been would have beaten the Cavaliers that I've seen on Friday night. No, absolutely. And the Pacers are playing the Warriors tonight. The Warriors still undefeated, so it's a third show in a row. Yeah, third show. I told you they would. And I'll ask you at the end of the show too, are they gonna be undefeated till next time? Because as we speak, uh they're playing each other in a couple of like in an hour or so. So while you're listening to this, the game might be over. Uh, but tonight the Pacers and the Warriors and If it's not the Pacers, who else are going to beat the Warriors? Because the Pacers look like the biggest challenge they had in a couple of weeks. Um, they have basically two games left to their Eastern uh, trip after that. They got Boston on Friday, if, I, if I'm not wrong, and uh, Milwaukee on Saturday. So if they beat um, Indiana, I think they're going to go undefeated until next week too. And that would be getting closer and closer to that famous 33 win Streak, if I'm by uh, Boston, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, by Los Angeles, by LA. Sorry, 72. Angeles. And you have to remember that uh, for that record, the last four wins of last season actually count. So right now they're, I think, 23. So they're actually 27-0 right now. Oh, so they're getting even closer. So by the time we talk next week, it might be not done, but getting close to uh, it. Very, very close. Uh, it's something that we're talking about, the the excellence of the Warriors over the last couple of weeks or the last couple of months at the beginning of the season. And at the same time as that excellence, there's a battle for the worst, a battle for the tank. And we've uh, dubbed it the Tankathon here on uh, Hardwood <laughs> Radio. L.A., Philly, even Boston. And they all want Simmons, basically. So uh, what's the race now? Who's the worst in the league and who's going who's gonna, to have a, a, easy ball, a worse schedule. So who's going to stay bad for the next couple of weeks? Uh, well, you, first of all, you guys have to know at home that I'm a very big draft nut. So every year I'm following the worst team in the league to see who's going to get who in the draft. Um, uh, quick correction, it's not uh, Boston. Uh, that's really bad right now. It's Brooklyn, Brooklyn but okay. the, the Boston. But Boston has Brooklyn's pick right now, so oh, Boston okay. is hoping for Brooklyn to botch the rest of the season. So basically, uh, right? Boston could have a good season, but still have Simmons as the overall first draft pick. Oh yeah, and they're laughing. They're uh, they're laughing their way to the bank, and they're laughing their way to a potential uh, championship. Because even if they don't, if they get Simmons or not. 
they are really good players and players that they would need in the top three and they have every chances in the world to be in the top three. If they get a wing player, Brandon Ingram, which I think is basically the heir to Paul George, uh, they have a superstar in the making uh, on their team starting next year. So uh, so the the uh, this pick comes from the Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce trade, I think in 2013. And that trade is starting to pay off for the um, Celtics. And right now, the the Nets are in the no man's land, and they will continue being so until 2018 or 19, I believe. What happened to the Nets? Uh, when they moved to Brooklyn, they had success early on. Uh, yes, off the side of the court, we all know the the Brooklyn the Nets identity has been uh, reforged and it worked uh, marketing wise. Rebranded, it, yeah. It made a lot of money with the Jay Z involvement and the Barclays Center and the Barclays involvement and imprint now in that market as a bank and everything. All that, yes, it was successful and they did have success on the court. What happened? Why are they now not the laughing stock, but they're getting there? Well, there's two uh, factors that you have to take into consideration. First of all, the majority owner is a crazy rich Russian guy. Like, yeah. and like people wonder how rich he is. Like, he's heli skiing in his vacation. So basically, he spends his vacation jumping from helicopters and skiing and going skiing in everywhere in uh, Whistler and in the in the uh, American West. But it, there's this guy who injected all the money in the world in the roster. And there is uh, Billy King, who's the GM, who's made the move, who shouldn't really have a job, should never have had that job, and should never should not have a job anymore. He's the one that traded uh, the future of the Nets for uh, a 37-year-old Kevin Garnett and a 35-year-old Paul Pierce, who are not with the team anymore. Yeah, that experiment did not go really well, basically. And it's a shame because that market was, well, it's still good, but that team is not basically enough to support that market. A Brooklyn-LA final, of imagine that a couple years ago, would have been so big for the NBA to bring back those markets that are basically the old markets outside of Chicago and Boston right now are and not necessarily the best teams. And it's always a shame because it's always fun when the big teams are involved. Oh, hey, of course, but... Um... Right now, Brooklyn is not going anywhere. Like, Philly might be good in uh, two years. Los Angeles might be good in two years. But uh, Brooklyn, they have no hope, basically. They're going to bank in on uh, free agent money in a, couple of, uh, in a couple of months. But if they strike out, and I think they will, they have nothing to look forward to. All right, who's going to get the boot next? That's the big question when you have a team like Philly struggling, teams like LA struggling. Uh, what's your prediction? Who is your favorite coach to maybe lose his job and who shouldn't and who should lose their job? I'm going to surprise you because I don't think that Brett Brown in Philly is going to lose his job because he's actually doing a very good job with a can, crappy lineup. Can you imagine without him? Oh my God! Like if a worst coach uh, would have a worst coach, at that team would have been a disaster. That team would have been uh, would have been way worse than it is now. Uh, Byron Scott in uh, LA should lose his job by any logical definition for benching basically every good player in the team on the, in the fourth quarter. Uh, but I think the team is using. 
um, Byron Scott and Kobe's farewell tour as an excuse to tank. And uh, because if they, their pick is not in the top three, it's actually going to Philly this year. Okay. And because uh, of a, um, it used to belong to, I think, Phoenix in the Steve Nash trade. Okay. But they traded in to Philly in a three-way trade where Philly sent Michael Carter-Williams to Milwaukee and Milwaukee sent Brendan Knight to Phoenix. So right now, Sam Hinkie is praying that the pick falls out of the top three. Um, but I think the guy who's going to lose his job is Randy Whitman at Washington. He, he, yes, he has a very talented team. But that team is a bit of an accident of destiny. They were not supposed to be good. They were mismanaged from A to Z. But they turn out to be all right. They turn out to draft some uh, great players like John Wall and Bradley Beal in the draft almost by mistake. And right now, they're not a contender, but they're a playoff team in the East, except... They're not making the playoff this year. They're right now. They have a losing record. Uh, Randy Whitman is arguably the worst coach in the league by far, and I think his time has come. In basketball, is there such a thing as a coach bump? What I mean is, when you fire the coach, is there a direct correlation on the court? Is there usually two, three wins in a row? Is there a statistic, or is it remarkable? Do you see it happen? We see it in different sports. Sometimes it does, sometimes there's not. But is there an effect directly when the coach gets fired in the NBA? It depends. It depends. Most often it does because it lights a, a fire under the guy's asses. But uh, if you look at Kevin McHale, who lost his job in Houston uh, uh, earlier this year, it had no effect whatsoever. Um, assistant JB Bakerstaff uh, took over, and the team is as unmotiv unmotivated as it is. It plays a very soft and limp brand of basketball. And the reason for that is I think that McHale wasn't the problem. He was not communicating enough. He was not getting through to his players anymore, but I think the problem lies elsewhere. I think the problem is James Harden on this team. But that's another uh, debate. Is it the, the selfishness of his play, James Harden, combined with the Dwight Howards of this world? Or uh, what is it with uh, with the I like I like to believe that it's... I like to believe that it's a Kardashian curse because he has been dating Khloe Kardashian okay. all, all summer long. There you go. But... Uh, no, Just ask Lamar Hodem how he's feeling. He's been... Uh, he's been... He's been the the best creator of three points in the league uh, all season long because whenever he drives to the basket, everybody collapses on him because he's so very good at uh, finishing near the basket that he's become quite a passer. I think he averages six assists a game. Oh, wow. um, I just think he's getting frustrated with uh, not playing with not playing isolation basketball and. It might reflect on his uh, quality of play. I think he's being a little lackadaisical. And there's no, there's no leader on this team. There's no guy to round up the spirits and uh, keep uh, players accountable. I, I think that's the issue. Yeah, that would make sense because they they do seem like a bunch of 
maybe of Rascal's good, great player, but uh, they never actually gelled together enough that in a league like NBA right now, that is actually important to not necessarily be friends, but to have an actual chemistry between each other. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, look at the Warriors. Exactly. If you take the blueprint of the Warriors and uh, uh, the Warriors and the other good teams. Uh, the, Spurs. The, Spurs, the Spurs. The Spurs have one of the greatest chemistry. Even the coaches part. Sorry, of the chemistry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the, even the coach is part of the chemistry uh, uh, with the Spurs. Uh, mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, uh, they, there's a Ty Lawson variable, too. They traded for Ty Lawson. Uh, this summer and nobody thinks he's really meshing very well with the team so they're trying to unload him for a song right now and they're not they're not taking anyone nobody's taking their offer but uh, th there's a lot of problems with that team that's for sure if we're looking at the we look we hear about the Warriors now a lot because of their great winning streak they're on and their great performances mm. Who is in their shadow right now? Which team is actually performing well, but we're not hearing about it? Who's the underdog of this league that we're maybe missing something if we're not looking for them? Well, I was looking at the standings the other day, and the Spurs are a very quiet 17-4. and four. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just four losses, and we're not even we're not hearing anything about the Spurs right now. No, and all, all of we're hearing is that I don't know how they're going to fit LaMarcus Aldridge in the, the offense, and they don't know if they have a, if their offense is going to be modern and efficient enough in order to beat the Warriors. But, I mean, the result speaks for themselves. I think Greg Popovich and his troops are playing the NBA one more year. I might drop some money on the Spurs to win the championship this year if this continues. You think they'll upset the Warriors in the kind of in the Western Conference Final? In the playoffs, po very possible. Very like, possible. I I learned never to bet against the Spurs in the playoffs. We're we're still very far. There's a lot of basketball to be played. We're not even close to the third of the season, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because uh, though. Am I mistaking when I'm saying the league is maybe West heavy? There's a lot of good teams in the West this year. Uh, no, it's uh, you're you're absolutely right. The West is traditionally actually more. It's actually strongest stronger than the East. But this year, the East is overperforming expectations. Yeah, their their records are actually stronger in the East than they are in the West. That's an interesting factor because uh, all the glory are with the Warriors right now and with fully deserved 22-0 heading into tonight versus the Pacers. If you had to predict this game, it, we might look foolish because it's playing as we speak, uh, but the Pacers and the Warriors, what makes them so different? Because it, clearly it's the same blueprint, but they don't have the same element, the same type of players, and you don't have a Steph Curry in any other team. So how are the Pacers going to be able to put a challenge for the uh, the Warriors? Well, that's a very good question because the um, the Pacers are trying to emulate the Warriors' uh, model. They traded away Roy Hibbert. They let David West go, like two very big guys who played a half-court game. So they're trying to play Uh, they're trying to play a full-court game. They're trying to run more and to create more points, and it's working. They're they're creating a lot more. Um, I would lie, I would rely on Paul George a lot, and I would rely on Paul George to grill Damon, Draymond Green because the Warriors are going to put Draymond Green on Paul George in order to... Uh, if Draymond Green neutralizes Paul George, it's going to be a very ugly game. 
Uh, Monte Ellis might be a problem for uh, Clay Thompson, but I don't think so. Actually, uh, my few people might remember, but um, Monte Ellis was traded for the, from the Warriors in order to make space for Clay Thompson. So Clay Thompson is actually a much better player. And uh, if 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 I was the um, Frank Vogel, the coach of the uh, Indiana Pacers, I would set up Paul George for every possible mid-range shot to get so the uh, defense of the Warriors would, wouldn't know where to look. And Paul George is a very good passer too, so whenever there's a cutter to the basket, he could be, would be able to feed him. Uh, I think that's how they can beat the Warriors, and that's how they might beat the Warriors. I think the Warriors are feeling the strain of... Mm-hmm this uh, streak and I think and if any team has a chance to beat them right now is the Pacers and we'll see it's been interesting if you are listening to this and the Pacers have won well you heard it here why and if they have the Warriors have won well we always predicted the Warriors would go undefeated for a long time so we're right <laughs> on both cases I want to get an update from you Ben uh, maybe about three years or four three years ago there was a player out of New York that created big big media and uh, close to the end of the season Jeremy Lin and there's a lot of happened for him since that famous New York run where he became very popular. Uh, can you give us an update? He traveled for a couple teams since then. Uh, how's Jeremy Lin's career doing? Basically, he uh, was after the year in New York, he became a restricted free agent. Uh, the Houston Rockets off- made him an offer sheet uh, that the uh, Knicks didn't equal. He played for the Rockets for two years. He was traded to the Lakers with a first-round pick for a salary dump last year. And um, and the, 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 the Lakers used la- the pick to draft Larry Nance Jr. this year. Um, and he became a free agent after ending that wonderful, that big and wonderful contract uh, that he signed with uh, Houston in 2012 or 13. And now he's playing for the Charlotte Hornets. He's a backup for Campbell Walker, and he's doing good. He is where he should be. He is a strong. Um, he's a strong he's a backup. Yeah. Uh, he's a strong backup. He is uh, a combo guard. He can play. Uh, he, he has the ball handling skills to play point guard. He has the shooting skills to play shooting guard. He can play maybe 25 to 30 minutes a game in order to be uh, most efficient and. That's basically where he is today. And the uh, the, the Hornets are doing very good right now. Because I ask you that question because it always fascinates me how somebody can become so popular over a so short amount of time. And sometimes it's out of proportion because of his talent. We all knew that Jeremy Lin was not the sensation that the hype and the media made it to be. But it's funny how four years later... We knew we were right at the beginning, but it still had that. It grabbed everybody's attention four years ago. Yeah, well, there was this. Uh, the NBA really grabbed the momentum in order to get the bigger part of the Asian market. A lot of Asian people like basketball, but they don't have this player to relate to. So there, the NBA has been very opportunistic in uh, insanity. But um, yeah, like he was not destined destined to be a great player. He's a very good player. He's a player that I'd have on my team uh, at the right salary. 
and that's what the Hornets have uh, right now. They're overachieving on every possible level, and Jeremy Lin is a part of that. Ben, last question, and it's going to become a tradition really quickly. We'll see if it stands the test of time. Are the Warriors going to be undefeated next time we speak? Oh, my God. It's a very good question because I do not know. Uh, it's a very good question because everything lies on tonight. If they beat uh, the Pacers tonight, they have to face the uh, Celtics. They have to face the Bucks, and which I think they will beat handily each. But right now, they have to focus on the Pacers, which are really playing like a bunch of angry dogs right now. Uh, they played Utah, which is another one of my guilty pleasure teams on Saturday. They played like a bunch of rabid dogs. They went in overtime. Uh, it was beautiful, inspired basketball. So I think they're really going to bring it tonight against the Warriors, and they might pull it off. But you know what? I'll go for 25 and no next week. All right, Ben. Thank you very much, and talk to you next week. Yes, sir. You like the show? Well, tell a friend. You like the network? Well, tell two friends. The more subscribers and the more listeners we do have, the more content we can bring you. And until next time on Hardwood Radio, well, keep on shooting.